The Redneck Tech Podcast is brought to you by Mike'sArchery.com. They're a one-stop shop for virtually everything archery, bow hunting, and for your next outdoor adventure. Mike's Archery has been at the top of the archery game for over 50 years, and they want to give listeners of the Redneck Tech Podcast 10% off their entire online store using the code REDNECK10, all one word. Just put the code in before you check out, and your boys will hook you up. The guys at Mike's have always been good to us, and now they can be good to you too. Visit mikesarchery.com and get your gear now. Right here, right here, right here. Yeah. You want it? Yeah. Welcome back to Redneck Tech Podcast. We are still at the NWTF convention, as you can tell by the goose sounds and the loud announcer voice in the background. But why goose? Yeah, it be yeah. You, we should be hearing Come turkey sounds. We should be hearing turkeys. But and, and well, there's a couple turkeys. There's if you listen hard enough, there's oh, everything. right, right, right. But if you hear the voice on the other end, we've got Robbie from Blood Origins, dude. Thank you so much for stopping by and talking to us. And I'll, dude, is that not the coolest shirt? That is, this is a really you, cool this shirt. This is what you guys need to build. Yeah. Oh, 100 percent. Mechanic shirts. Mm-hmm. Now, what was the other thing you called it? Uh, I am uh, in South Africa. We don't call it bowling. We call it ten pin bowling. So I'm the captain of the ten pin bowling team. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, Robbie is super passionate about the same things we're passionate about, which is telling really cool stories. There's 100%. a high likelihood that you guys have probably seen something that he's yes. worked on in out in the wild somewhere. Hundred percent. And you've probably heard his amazing velvety smooth voice in the background <laughs> of it because that's that's really the reason i wanted you on the podcast yeah, is just yeah. to hear you talk 100%. some more so 100%. um he's very passionate about telling really cool unique stories in the outdoor space which yep. is what we're trying to do through the client's eyes through our own eyes through things like that so really more than anything for about 20 30 minutes we wanted to talk about just stories and mm-hmm. to you what makes a story a good story? What sets it apart from an average story or a not-so-good story? Like what, what is that X factor to you that, that, that makes a story one that you want to tell at Blood Origins? To me, it all comes down to the individual and you being able to crack their shell. Yeah. It, to be able to peel their onion layers. I never, and you know, it, I work with a lot of different creators. And creators have different ways about how to get to the goal. I yeah, call yeah, it yeah. the goal. Yeah. Some of them have a list of questions. Like they've got this list of questions that they're going to go through. We filmed 70 stories. Now, I think Jamie Shiro was 72. Yeah. Okay. We've done 72 Blood Origins episodes, which is essentially the heart of someone. Right? Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. getting to that goal. And not one in 72 have I ever gone into the interview with anything written down. Wow. Because I know the key to me cracking their shell is just listening. Yeah. So I know where I want to start. So, for instance, like Anna V, when we filmed Anna V here in Georgia. Yeah. No, we're not in Georgia right now. We're but close. In Georgia. We're close. <laughs> to your home state. Yeah. Um, I knew exactly what would... She probably had this idea of, like, this is where I want to go. This is what I want to say. This is how I want to represent myself. And I knew I needed to, like, put her off guard, like, immediately. Yeah. So the first thing I asked her, I said, Anavia, you're a huntress. Oh, wow. Because yeah. I knew she would actually take offense to me saying Oh, that. yeah, I could, I could have answered that for you. 
<laughs> and that sort of just like it, it jolted her into this like new like mm -hmm. oh this is how it's going mm -hmm. and it opened up something inside of her that she didn't even know was going yep. to be opened up yeah and so to me like when that person responds if we had interviewed you it, it's all about just listening to where I feel like there's a crack in your armor yeah. or a chink in your armor and then I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to crack that a little bit I'm like hey tell me a little bit more about that yeah I want to hear more about that and it's really hard to be vulnerable telling a telling a story like that because that's you have to be a little bit vulnerable to do that and then you have to be able to be uncomfortable well and that's the key yeah do you think that's the key to a good story is somebody's got to be uncomfortable to you, tell it you have to you the person has to be vulnerable the first the person has to be transparent the person needs to and and, and from a blood origins perspective we film it so that the person watching it is uncomfortable too. yeah yeah so we've never caught a turned our interviews like to me you looking at me right now is what I want someone to look at that person being interviewed at. Yeah. And again, that's also uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Again, think about it. Yeah. That person who's responding to the interview typically doesn't want to talk directly to the camera. They mm -hmm. want to shoot their eyes off to the left or the right. They mm -hmm. want to talk to this person. Yeah. They don't want to stare down the barrel of that camera. Yeah. No, most people don't want to stare down the barrel of that camera. And we find that out all the time. <laughs> and I don't know. It's just a matter of... And you know, the whole... And I guess that's what I pride myself in is that to me, storytelling has to have emotion. Yeah. Oh, 100%. It has to have vulnerability. It has to be transparent. It has to be authentic. And that's what we've tapped into. And, you know, the criticism for, for Blood Origins, the only criticism I've ever really received, is that that emotional vulnerability transparency piece often comes with sadness. Yeah. And comes with very seriousness. We're not, a, we're not a very seriousness. Yeah. Seriousness. We're not a very fun, yeah, outgoing, happy-go-lucky. Yeah, but that's the that's the opposite of what everybody else wants to be. That's well, the. I mean, well, I don't know I if you've had a ch chance to watch that film we sent you, but we did it. When did you send me? I did I not send it to you? Yet? No. Did you okay. send me a text message? I, if I didn't, I'll double check. But I got to send it to you because we told a story that we haven't put it out there yet. But I wanted you to watch it. You told me about it. You we just put didn't out send a, me the text. we put out a story that doesn't have a happy ending. And it makes you uncomfortable. A lot of the same things that you're talking about. Um, what were you going to say, Ryan? I didn't want. To, I got another well, question I want to ask, but I didn't want to jump in front of you. I think that there's a reason that people are guarded about certain things, and people are not guarded about the fun, happy, yeah. best parts of themselves that they want to show off. Right? The That's social what you media see all the time. Yeah, the social media. People yeah. are not guarded about that. People are guarded about things that hurt them, or they're unsure of, or that are sad, or that they they feel ashamed of maybe and that's a lot of what you need to get to to really understand a full person mm. because a full person is made up of not only their the the side of themselves that they present to everybody else but there's also this deeper foundation of experiences and things that they maybe don't talk about with everybody and those are usually the things that shape them the most right are the things they don't talk about that's the foundation i feel yeah. like of a person and people are, that's a very serious topic. And, and people don't usually talk about that kind of stuff willingly. Well, people, people aren't made to be vulnerable very, vulnerable very often. You know, think, about, think about all the opportunities in your life that you have to be vulnerable. And it's, you try and avoid those, comp, you try and avoid those things. So for somebody to, for, first of all, for you to voluntarily jump into that and then to be able to ask, answer questions that 
you are going into knowing you're going to be vulnerable, that's that's tough, and that's really hard for some people. Um, I think it's also hard, and you could probably speak to this on your own perspective, but it's a hard place to be in as an interviewer because you don't want somebody to feel necessarily like you're trying to get this dirt on them or that you're trying to take advantage of them or anything like that. You want them to feel comfortable and respected. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But you do get into conversations that are difficult to have with people. Yeah, yeah it's funny you say that because I think a lot of the good stuff that we've, we've captured over the years – and I don't know what your code word your, your is when you're filming, but we say 50-50, which is like the person thinks that the camera's off, but the camera's not off. And you stop, and you're like, oh, that was good. And then they, they start, they think they're having, like they're just picking up the conversation where they just ended with you. Mm-hmm. And they just start rolling, and you're mm-hmm. like, I'll well, just talk to the camera. And then they, and they don't even realize that it's just, it's yeah. all still yeah. authentic. It's all still right there yeah. being captured. Um, yeah, it's, you know, and it's funny, we, we, we're tending to back out of our, we used to be like a, because one, number one, I had no money, <laughs> and number two, I had to, I wanted to capture as many stories as I possibly could. Yeah. We used to go to Texas, I'll, for instance, I'll give you an example, we went to Texas for the weekend, three days, and I'd do four Blood Origins episodes in three days, mm-hmm. which meant I used to roll into someone's house in the morning, sit them down expose their heart, mm-hmm. expect them to expose their heart in two to three hours, and then we were gone. And then deuces, we got to go. Go on. We're going <laughs> to the next one. <laughs> yeah. And it's almost like it was good, but I know that, and it got us to where we are today. Yeah. But I almost lost out on this, like, developing these big, bigger relationships yeah. with these people. And so now today we want to do bigger stories. Yeah. We want to do more embed stories. So here's my, here's my question to that. Why? What's your why? Why did you get into doing this? Yeah, so I think... When I started Blood Origins, I had just reached, I've got two small boys, 11 and 9. I was gaining a little bit more resources in terms of being able to hunt left, right, and center. And I started reading my grandfather. My grandfather was a prolific storyteller. He hunted the heyday of two wildlife paradises that this world had to offer. Uh, he hunted northern China, Russia, uh, the, the tiger of Mongolia. Tibet in the 1920s and 30s. He Holy hunted white-eared pheasants in Tibet. And then he immigrated the entire family to Mozambique in 1954. So then lived the heyday of Africa from 54 to 74. And did everything. Just amazing, amazing, amazing guy. And I started rereading his stories and, he, and, he, and I picked up um, Robert Ruark. Have you read Robert Ruark? No, I have not. You're from the southeast. No, I know. I'm sorry. Robert Ruark's Old Man and the Boy. All no, right. I have Go not. Go get the book and I'm writing, read it. I'm writing it down right now. Because so I'm, 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 I'm on a tear. Robert Ruark, Old Man and the Boy, is about a grandfather teaching his grandson everything about southeastern hunting, how to raise gun dogs, how to quail hunt, ethics of quail hunting, uh, brim fishing, bass fishing, uh, speckled trout, redfish fishing on the coast of South Carolina, like, it's amazing. And when I read it when I was 16 years old, I had no context. Yeah. I reread it six years ago. Yeah. And my grandfather had actually inscribed through the entire book. Look, you can see the ghost book. <laughs> in, he had inscribed through the entire book. And again, I, it had no context to me. Yeah. And the front page, he, re- he writes this letter to me. And at the back, on the end of the letter, it says, P.S., when you read about Camp Ruark in my hunting stories, that's when Robert Ruark came and hunted with us in Mozambique. Oh, man. And so... 
I started reading these stories and I was like, man, why are we not? And I, again, I was thinking about hunting and I was thinking about my boys. I was like, how am I going to tell my boys like why we hunt? And I started watching the Outdoor Channel and Sportsman Channel. I was like, man, there's nobody telling the why. Preach. There's Holy crap. There's nobody telling the why. Five years ago, I was like, nobody's telling no, the why. No, it's been that way for 15 years. And I said, okay. At the time, again, I didn't know what Blood Origins wanted to become. I didn't know what it should be, which is what it is today. And so I was like, okay, we need to make a hunting show. And it wasn't going to be a hunting show of me. It was going to be a hunting show of, of people's hearts. And I wanted to film it just like we film it today. I wanted to, actually, I wanted it. Have you ever watched I Am Second? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's, if you look at our filming style. Love I Am Second. It's an I Am Second filming style. It's incredible. It's, it looks like 100 cameras are around the individual. And that's what I wanted. I wanted just that. No B-roll, just the interview. But the industry just was like, nah, we're not ready for that. Yeah, well, and, ain't that the truth. And so I just, I don't know, that's what I started. I started like this, this is, we need to communicate our hearts. I need to communicate, I need to understand your heart because it's going to help me explain to my boys, yeah. like, why are we doing this? I yeah. could explain it biologically. I had a PhD mm -hmm. in, you know, Western ecology, but I just couldn't express like, the root, yeah. like that stuff that was in your blood, the stuff that's in your DNA, the thing that makes you tick, the why. Yeah. And so I was like, well, let me just go get it. Let me go film it. Let, let me go me, drag it out of some people. Let me grab it out. Exactly. And so that was five years ago. And three years ago, or two and a half years ago, we changed ourselves. At the beginning of COVID, we turned ourselves into a nonprofit. And that's when almost like the, the gates opened to the kinds of content we we wow. should be producing yeah which is more of like showcasing the impacts the benefits the consequences of hunting yeah be the spirits of for hunting issues yeah you know, talk you know be that leading voice to say hey this is how you should talk about hunting this is what you are we've had that conversation so many times and um actually we we're talking to the guy from how um how yeah charles how wildlife yeah how for wildlife yep and uh so yeah you met him at winter strong and what they're trying to do, you know, is kind of along the same lines. Is like we've got to make sure that we're creating content and we're speaking in the best and, and, and representing hunting in the best possible light we can because 10% of people are never going to vote or think the way we do about hunting. The 100%. antis are never going to. Yep. 10% are always going to because they hunt. The yep. other 80, those yep. are the ones we've got to be creating content for. Those That's are the right. ones we've got to be showing the passion the reason that we got to be showing them our heart and our that's why right. that's well, right. and and when you look especially i didn't grow up hunting so i was not exposed to the hunting industry or hunting content until i kind of fell into it by accident but looking at it from kind of that perspective people who don't grow up hunting don't watch hunting content because it doesn't appeal to them correct we're telling one to two stories over and over again and these are the stories that appeal to people who have grown up hunting mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. but to people who have not grown up hunting they turn on the hunting channel and they're seeing something that they would never want to watch and so if you want to reach those people you have to come up with a way to to tell stories around hunting that that audience will want to partake in yeah a and i think that's something that is largely ignored in the industry because the fact of the matter is those people aren't buying the products well, that are funding the shows. Well, I think you, you're nailing a point here in that I think Blood Origins is the first entity 
that we create content that's not funded by the industry. Yeah, yes, but I think too, you guys are doing something else that we're we talk about constantly too. Is like, how do we tell great stories and create great content that isn't based around making sure we kill something? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. How do we go create? tell a really cool story about a person, a place, a, a field, a tree, or whatever, you know, an experience, an emotion that doesn't require us to make sure we kill a big deer so people will watch it. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's what, mm-hmm. that's what, like, don't get me wrong, I love to hunt. I love to, you know, kill a big deer. I love to, you know, hunt turkeys. I love to do those things. That's why I got into this. But at the same time, to me, if we're not viewing and we're not showing people that are watching the content that we're creating that, Killing something is a cherry on top. Correct. That's that's like that's that doesn't happen every time you go out. If you watch a hunting show, it does. It happens every time they go out because you don't see the times they didn't kill something. You only yeah. see the times they did. Yeah. And I think we've created a monster in that to where people aren't going to watch something unless they see, see a big deer, a big elk, or turkeys or whatever mm-hmm. get shot. And it's mm-hmm. like, don't get me wrong, I still want to hunt. And I still want to get kills. I mean, that's mm-hmm. what we do. But how do we get away from making everything so kill-centric and get back to telling emotional stories about companies and people and places and animals and things like that that aren't dependent on a gripping grant at the end. Uh, to me, it's, it's, it's convincing, and, and it, it's a slow, long road. Oh, you ain't kidding. Convincing the people that are in this room, and it's happening, that you don't... You don't the whole marketing strategy of the outdoor industry that is you need to showcase whatever company's logo everywhere, whatnot, forget it. Like you may get your shirt in there, but your rival's pants may be in there as well. Yeah. And you need to be okay with that because the greater good is at stake here. Yeah. And, and, that's they're, and they're turning. I think I had a great conversation with a company uh, at Winterstrong, and I said, look, if we're going to work together... I may wear your stuff, but I may wear your stuff plus someone else's stuff mm-hmm. or your, someone else's stuff completely the next day. Mm-hmm. And you need to be okay with that. And he's like, yeah, we are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's not something you hear all the time. But, yeah, I mean, it's gotten to where it's a NASCAR commercial, you know, mm-hmm. these hunting shows now. And, like, and we're guilty of it, too. I mean, we produce web shows and TV shows. Yeah, but, you're, but you're, you're, I wouldn't, don't beat yourself up about it because yeah. what you're doing is you're creating content for this room but that's why we that's why we film that's why we created the film that we did which I will send to you I swore I did but I'll, <laughs> I will in a minute um, the, the reason we created it is first of all we didn't feel like anything had ever been done like it okay um, and second of all we wanted to create something just for us that no so you funded it yourself yeah there's no yeah it's no we, we've been working on it for two years on and off okay. three well going into three yeah yeah, yeah. Okay. So it was we did it in between client work when we had a free yep, time, which yep, is yep. we never had free time. <laughs> but it was a story that I felt had to be told, and it will very hit home with you. Okay. Um, it hits home with anybody who's ever hunted, really. Okay. But it's one of those things. It's hit to, home with a lot of people. It who has. I, I, I showed it to the guy at Lane Shark uh, yesterday. Literally cried. He's like, "You're going to make me cry, aren't you?" And he's he's sitting there <laughs> like alligator I like tears. It. So I like it. Um, anyway. We, we, we intentionally set out to create a film that did not have a kill in it, that did not have voiceover, that did not have interviews, 
and that was fiction, not nonfiction. Oh, really? And and we, we did that on purpose, just to, just to say that we could, because we've never challenged ourselves like that. But also, we did it in a way that's like, this is not a happy ending. Mm-hmm. And we, because everything, like every film we've ever seen in the outdoor space, for the most part, is like, you know, you know, this bad thing's happening, but at the end, I killed a deer, and everything's great now. Or yeah. took this kid hunting, and he killed a deer, and that's great. It's like, yeah. don't get me wrong, I love that. Those are glorified web shows. We wanted to do a true blue film mm-hmm. that told a really compelling, deep story about an emotion that someone was having. And, hope, and, and, and hoping to, at the end of it, make people think something. Yeah. Make them feel something. Yeah. Right? Sure, so they sure, don't just sure. watch it and go, oh, yeah. Oh, that was cool. Yeah. Right? yeah. I love hearing stuff is cool. And nobody, I love to hear that yeah. that's cool. But wow, it, that it means me. much more to me when yeah. people say, and I can't, I can't say exactly what they say after this because it'll ruin it, but <laughs> when they tell me, hey, that made me want to do this thing mm-hmm. that I haven't done in a long time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or and it made me think about this particular, this thing, or made me kind of retroactively look inside myself. Yeah. And you're like, that's what I want. That's what we wanted to do with it. And, and at the same time, nobody cared what camo he was wearing. Nobody cared what gun he was toting. Nobody cared what call he was using. Nobody cared any of that. Because that's not what it was about. Yeah. And, and it wouldn't have mattered if he'd have had on a, well, it would have mattered. But it wouldn't have mattered if he'd had on a pink flamingo costume. It wouldn't have mattered yeah, yeah, because yeah. that wasn't what the story was about. And that had nothing to do with it. Um, and, and we were very intentional with that. And we tried to – I don't want to give too much away because we're really keeping it really close to the chest because we're trying to find a home for it. We don't really know what we're going to do because we've got it. It's done. We're happy, we're, we're happy as we can be. There's things that we would change now. But we're trying to figure out, like, what's the next step. And now it's, like, kind of lit a fire under me. Mm. Okay, what's something that we can do next? Mm-hmm. And because we did it, I did it for myself, but at the same time, I wanted to say, okay, why did you get into this? Why did you get into hunting? What's important to you now that I have a son and my dad took me? It's like, okay, what is, what's the reason for this? Sure. It's not to kill something. Yeah, it's yeah. Not, that's the last thing I'm thinking about. Yeah. You know, but what, what was my why? It's like, okay, let's try and create a film around my why. Yeah. In, in, you know, in, in, a, loose, in a loose way. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah. Well, look, look, use us as a, you know, that, I think that's the beauty about what we built at Blood Origins is that now we're growing, our platform is growing, mm-hmm. and our fundraising capabilities are growing. Yeah. And we're looking for, we're always yeah. looking for good stories. Well, good. We, I've, we've, I've got a list. You can ask Ryer, I'm, a, I'm an ideas guy. I'm always coming up with some some of them suck. Some of them are pretty good. <laughs> I think this one was pretty good. But uh, yeah, I would lo- I would love to do that. What's so? What's the uh, what's the five ten year plan for Blood Origins? Just become louder. Become you know invest in bigger projects. We're not going to grow in terms of an organization. We're going to be super nimble. No bureaucracy associated with us at all. Good. We want our voice and our face to be the the voice, the rational voice for hunting around the world. Yeah. I think we are there. We're at the spear tip. We want to continue to be that spear tip. But then we want to invest more in better documentaries, bigger documentaries, bigger conservation projects. So right now we're investing in conservation projects that are in the fifty to $75,000 range. Yeah. We're investing in documentaries. Unbelievable. I can't believe I'm saying this five years around, down the line. We're investing in documentaries that are fifty to $85,000 documentaries. Yeah. Like. 
jeepers creepers. I yeah. used to be able to just barely afford a cameraman at two fifty a day. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, but I'd love to be able to put, you know, a quarter of a million dollars towards a documentary yeah. that really like jacks our voice. Yeah. Not our voice, the hunting community's voice and that story to the next level. Yeah. Um, to get in, you know, to get onto a Netflix type level. Oh yeah. You know, Amazon Prime type level, premiere there. Um, and then conservation projects, you know. Three years ago, Namibia put up 100 and 116 elephants for sale to move. We did all the math. We, did, we actually found a place to move them in the Congo. It would have cost $4.5 million to move 113 elephants. I think we can do it in the next 10 years. We're running in the right circles to be able to say, look, let's raise 4 million bucks. Yeah. And let's do this. Yeah. And let's showcase what hunters do. Yeah. And document we put our the mo- hell out of and it. And we put our money where our mouth is. Yeah. And, yeah. and story tell the heck out of it. Yes. This. Well, I had, a, I had a conversation with... Uh, Someone who could stroke a $4 million check. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know I about wish. that. Yeah, no um, joke. I, uh, I had gone on a date with a girl, and she was very anti-hunting. Okay. Right? And she finds out what I do for a living and starts asking me questions, and I'm talking to her and telling her about how, you know, hunting works and uh, just a lot of basic stuff, like you can't just go out and kill everything. There's seasons and bag limits. There's very particular times a year that you can go hunt. Uh, there's a whole bunch of science and people deciding how many animals can get taken and yeah, yeah. the age class of those animals and then... Um, talking past there into obviously the amount of money from hunting sales and tag sales and and all that stuff that goes back into conserving the environments that the animals lived in and after the conversation at dinner she says i had never heard no idea of that she said i like i hate the idea that somebody's killing an animal and i'll never get past that but i have an entirely different viewpoint on hunting and hunters having this information yeah yeah and she had never heard that ever before. Yeah. Yeah. I and I think that's a very common story. I think, yeah. oh, sure. I think mu- a lot of people only ever hear the things that well, it's PETA look, and groups like that put out. Well, look how we're represented. Hunting. Look how we're represented in mainstream movies. There's a bunch of hick rednecks that are drunk half the time that shoot everything that walks. That's right. how we're portrayed to the outside world. Mm-hmm. Now, any movie you've ever seen that has a hunter in it, he's some old hick redneck that can't string two words together. He's usually drunk or was drunk. And he shoots everything and has no gun safety. Just and he's uneducated. Mm-hmm. That's how we've been portrayed mm-hmm. for since the beginning of time. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's it's that's what we're fighting because that's what people that don't hunt that eighty percent. That's how they view hunters. They're like, well, we, they they're not hurting me, but it's just a bunch of dumb rednecks that go hunting. It's like, no, we couldn't be further from the truth. Yeah, yeah. Well, the thing is, so I spoke with a vegan on a podcast, and I was we were going through the whole trophy hunting scenario right and trophy is a descriptor of hunting right it's an adjective to hunting and it's tied to the action itself and i said well what if i told you of all the benefits and consequences of the action and actually that the major implication benefit consequence in africa is actually conservation wildlife conservation so instead of it being trophy hunting you could replace it by saying it's conservation hunting because then the adjective is based on the benefits and consequences yeah. versus the adjective being based on the action itself. Yeah, yeah. And he was like, whoa, that's, I'd be all for that. Yeah, that word's been hijacked for sure. Oh, definitely, definitely hijacked. But, 
Well, we've been talking for 30 minutes, and I'm actually already late for my 4 o'clock, but <laughs> that's fine. This was worth every minute of being late. Dude, Robbie. Thank you, my man. Appreciate it. I just texted you that film while I was sitting here, so I didn't forget again. So um, get yeah, in a nice, quiet place and listen to will, it and watch it. Um, and, and let me know what you think, good, bad, or indifferent. You ain't going to hurt my feelings. So, well, I'd love um, to see it. I'm going to watch it yeah. today. Thank you so much for your time, man. Yeah, bud. Really appreciate it. Cheers, Thanks, mate. dude. Peace.